0: righty folks welcome back to the above the bar podcast I even see Lauren didn't know it I called her while the music was playing she was bopping to it you know it's ha- it's hard to not bop to the to that theme music uh thanks to Jay uh for making that many moons ago we appreciate it uh but today at, if you were following all of our posts all of our messages on Facebook YouTube Twitter Twitch you know I was trying to put graffiti on the side of buses if I thought it would work whatever it was going to take to let everyone know that we have with us will be kind to her. She is a Bengals fan. You know, they've had a disappointing year. 100%. So close just because remember they get the same parade that we got in Baltimore. <laughs> you didn't get a ring. I don't care, but th- we did th- just so folks know, as you're listening, like, man, why is he being mean to-, so mean to her? Cause we busted each other's chops the first time we talked about the exact mm-hmm. same things. So this is just going to continue on, but we have brought on, uh, and I'm, I'm curious what, what Lauren would, would tag her, her title as, but I like saying uh, after sports coach or you know post-sports life coach, she helps athletes. And most of us, look, I've said this in all my posts, most of us at high school were done with sports. But that next level athlete who's dedicated that extra time, that put that extra effort, that 10,000-hour person, they're going to hit a point where it ends. So so that's what Lauren does and she's got a great story about how she got into it. It it's very intriguing. So, Lauren, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much. Ooh.
0: Yeah, you get applause.
1: I love it. Thank yeah, you no, so much. No, I didn't. This is See amazing.
0: That, for for an athlete, they I mean, this is what it's all about, right?
1: Of course. Give me all the glory. <laughs> yes. It's what I want. That's so, what I need.
0: So welcome. Let, let's get the, the house cleaning out of the way. Okay. We'll get that done. So first things first, as always, folks, we got sticker in a cause. If you've got something that you're supporting, you've got a podcast of your own, you've got a charitable organization, which I'm going to mention something real quick here in a moment that I think everyone's going to want to hear. Uh, You've got something that you're supporting. If you reach out to me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, um, our uh, LinkedIn email is the above the bar podcast. It's all the above the bar podcast. You send me a message. I'll tell you where to set the address. We'll send it. You can send me a sticker. You send me that sticker, like Dibs did, and Miles Grix from uh, the Gaylord Snow sent me a sticker. He would have been a great one. I, sh- I should introduce you. He—that's a guy who's—he was a collegiate athlete who got hurt, lost an opportunity, but found a way to own his own sports team. Let's say very cool, yeah. uh, very uh, the movie Semi Pro, which is so great. Oh, yeah. um, so. Send me your sticker. We'll throw it up there on the board just like they did. Um, We'll get that situated. Also, folks, as always, if your media, maybe your media needs to graduate to a a new program. Your media needs a little bit of an upgrade. Make sure you reach out to Media by Dibs. You can find Dibs on LinkedIn under Andrew Dibble, but he's also on Facebook, and he's also on Instagram as Media by Dibs, as D-I-B-S, Media by Dibs. And if you mention to him, hashtag belly up to the bar, you say belly up to the bar to him. He's going to give you a 10% discount right off the rip on your first order for media stuff. Then he's also going to give you a free consultation to let you know kind of what can he do for you? How can he make your media that much better? So remember, media by dibs. And now I got to throw this out. This is sidebar. This is new. So if you have watched Saturday's show, we had Eli the B guy. And Eli is out in California. Phenomenal guy. Uh, and Eli like does B Rescue. Like remediation, like rescuing the bees, Ooh. and I learned this thing. And I have to throw this out real quick, Lauren. Did you know that there's a thing we've all heard of African killer bees, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you know there's a thing called Caucasian bees?
1: That's a new one for me.
0: Do you know what the one that I really liked was though, Italian bees. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm gonna gonna go ahead and make it a honey. The Italian <laughs> bee. I'm gonna gonna go ahead and make it a honey. I'm gonna go ahead and take the honey back, and then we'd you know we'd make it a little pasta. So. I reached out to my daughter. This will be going up. Uh, maybe I'll do it after this one. But she actually, my daughter, who did our, our logo and everything, created an Italian bee for me.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And it's little. It's little, uh, I guess it will be a mandible. I guess, what would they call bee legs? I don't know. Oh. Uh,
1: it's, it's sticking I'm out. I'm a political it. science major. I have no idea. Yeah.
0: That is like, <laughs> so you're like every other athlete. I'm a poli-sci major. We'll get into that even. Um, but. But he's the little bee hand is sticking out like like it's doing this. Yeah. Like it's doing the whole little the Italian three finger shake. Um, so we're going to put that out. And with a plan for those shirts is when we put those on T Public, whatever we sell from those 100 percent of that proceeds, we're going to find a save the bee organization. Whatever I make off of those, we're going to give it to save the bees. So nice. we're all about it. And you've already got people popping up. My buddy, Nathan. What's up, Tell brother? Nathan. Uh, Scott Kelsey. Uh, I saw Scott hey, post Scott. on. Li- I saw yeah. Scott post on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you, Scott. I appreciate you uh, getting with us on that. So let's get into it. So let's start at the beginning. Okay. What's your your sport? Let's talk about your sports background, like because okay. that's really where all this is born.
1: Uh huh. Hundred percent. So the story goes, I don't remember this part, but the story goes, I have two older sisters who were already swimming. All right, so full disclosure, swimming was my sport. I am a very rare one sport athlete. Did it my entire life. That's all I ever did. So the story goes my mom, I, apparently, I was very bothersome when it came to snacks. I always needed food, I was always bothering her. So she just said, You know what? You're going in too. I'm done listening to you. You need to get some energy out. So she literally threw me in the pool. And the, like, literally, the, the story ends 17 years later. So I also only swam. Well, I was going to say I only swam for one team. That's not true. The first year I ever swam at the age of five, I swam for one team. And then at six, uh, we grew up in northern Kentucky. So if anybody understands Cincinnati geography, northern Kentucky, southwest Ohio, and southeast Indiana all connect, right? And we're, we're a stone's throw from everyone. There weren't a ton of competitive teams in northern Kentucky at the time. So we go over the the river into Ohio on a team called Emmy Lyons, Anderson Barracuda's Emmy Lions YMCA. The story also goes, yeah, I know, right? ABLY is what we, what we called it. The story also goes, and my mom didn't tell me this until like five years ago. I was the youngest swimmer. I was actually too young to join the team, but they had time standards. And I met all the time standards. So apparently my mom and all of her badass glory said, you you take all of them or you get none of them. So my sisters were trying out too. So they took all of us. And then 12 years later, I graduated from high school, having only swam for that team. And it was the greatest 12 years of my entire life.
0: How did your husband feel about being told that? I'm just wondering.
1: <laughs> well, I he was, always I mean, just- I'm
0: going to throw that out there. Like, it was the greatest time of my life. Kids, you suck. Marriage, I ain't worried about you. I'm over it. I'm over this already, but these years swimming—they
1: were awesome. You. Well, we—he always jokes to me, he's like, uh, "Swimming? Are you are you sure that was a real sport?" Um, he always tells me I'm really good at working out, and it's a running joke between me and my <laughs> husband. That
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever mm, swimming. You're a really good good workout person, huh? Like,
1: have you ever seen? Um, it comes from Eastbound and Down. Have you ever seen that show on HBO? I've
0: I've seen bits and pieces of it.
1: Yeah. So someone walks, I forget the main character's name, but someone walks up to him and he's a baseball player and someone walks and says, do I triathlons? It's like, no, I do a real sport. I'm not just good at really working out. So we <laughs> always joke <laughs> that I'm just really good at working out. I mean, if I took up triathlons, I'd, I, I mean, who knows what I'd be able to do.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, that's because what is that a f- one mi- Is it a one mile or two mile swim in a triathlon? Uh,
1: I think the full, like a, like a true Ironman is 2.4 mile swim.
0: Cause it's a hundred mile bike ride and a, yeah. and, a marathon, and a marathon, 26, 26.2. Yeah. I had yeah. a buddy who, who did those in the Marine Corps and he did them for like fun, which I don't understand. I don't understand it.
1: They, I mean, they are kind of fun. So I was a distance swimmer. I, I, that's I swam distance. That's what I did. I was a freestyler. That's legitimately. So in high school, I swam uh, the individual medley uh, for any non swimmer out there. It's the event that has all four strokes. It's the 400 individual medley. You swim a hundred yards or a hundred meters. Of each um, uh, of each stroke but I was also a distance freestyler so I swam what I always tell people is what did you swim I say I'm all the events that Katie Ledecky swims 200 free 400 free 800 free and 1500 free and by the time I got to college all I swam was freestyle
0: so yeah. that's so I can swim does that like I can I, yeah I don't so, just float
1: so, I, you know, a part of the story that I failed to mention is the reason why they got us into swimming is that my dad nearly drowned when he was four years old. Oh, really? And so they made a vow that when they had children that they, we had to know how to swim in order to, you know, if we were going to a pool, just to have survivors, survival skills. Well, 25 years later, they spent in an natatorium watching all three of us swim, all, th- all three of us swim. We were all single sport athletes. Again. There's three of us, total anomalies. And that, that's, it. that's how it all came to be. My parents can't swim. They're the least athletic people on the planet, and they'll admit to that. That's fine. But I always knew. I knew my sisters. my oldest sister, about seven years older than I am. I always knew I was going to swim in college. You couldn't convince me otherwise that I was, wasn't going to swim. It was my life. I loved that every single minute of it.
0: And for those of you that are out there that are watching this right now, if you were an athlete or you were into a sport, let let me know what you did. Also, please make sure you're sharing this to all your all the other sites you have there on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, anywhere that you can share it, share away so so we can get this story out and people can hear what we got going on here. Uh, The more you share it, the more people hear about it and. The goal is always the same. Try to get kicked off as many Facebook yard sale uh, sites as you can, as my beautiful face just keeps popping up, and they're like, <laughs> who is this guy? But And as you see, scrolling across the bottom, you'll also see Lauren Amon, and that's A-M-M-O-N.com. Make sure you, you're checking out Lauren's site, and it's Miss Lauren Amon on uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. and then Lauren Amon Coaching on Facebook for her Facebook page. Make sure you're, you're reaching out to those kind of things and checking out what she's got going on. So here you are, you're, you're and, and I'm a, I'm going to put this, this is my tagline for all this. I don't care if you swam for a division one, two, three, four, 15, 17 level school. I always love it when people are like, who'd you, who'd you play for? Well, in college I was, you know, I played at such and such university. It's D2. You played D nothing. You played with <laughs> the you played i'm not even gonna say it. you played d nothing so that level of commitment i mean you're you're in that what i call the 10,000 hour club you're a 10,000 hour person meaning for those who don't know that they say to be great at something you have to spend spent 10, hours doing it uh one of my pseudo cousins kim uh she's like a cousin my cousin's cousin uh played softball for years that's a, you know you know that's that's an example of it so yeah. You're in that 10,000 hour club, you know, so here we are. Where'd you all uh, swim for her? Who did your sister swim? Just curious in college. Yes,
1: they both did. They both went to Wright State University uh, here in Ohio in Dayton, Ohio, okay.
0: um,
1: right next to the Wright uh, Pat Air Force Base. Uh, and I went to Eastern Michigan University. So I swam among all of the mid-American conference schools. So Miami University, University of Buffalo, OU, uh, Central Michigan. Yeah. Although Central Michigan didn't have a swim team, but yes, all very good schools.
0: So, so what was, you know, what was that experience like in and of itself? I mean, you're talking, I've heard stories from friends that were college wrestlers and college football players. I have cousins and I don't care what level athletes you are. You guys get treated differently. Yeah. Like, what was that like as a swimmer?
1: Yeah. So, you know, swimming is considered a small sport in any school, right? You know, we're not, not a huge revenue generator, if at all. But, you know, what, what I always appreciated about the experience, looking at it simply from a sports experience, is, you know, the team that I swam for here in Ohio was very prestigious at the time. You know, I, I was well prepared to go in and handle any practice they threw at me. I mean, hell, sometimes there were practices I had that were harder in high school than I had in college. Wow. But then again, right, you know, college restricts, or at least back in the olden days, uh, you know, and I think they still do. They restrict the number of hours that you can work out. And I think at, I think when I was there, I want to say 20, maybe 22 or something like that. So you had to get really creative in fitting all that time in. But from a f- special treatment standpoint, you know, we certainly got a lot of free clothes. We got a lot of free gear. Um, you know, people knew who we were, especially on Eastern Michigan's campus. I mean, it, it was a big commuter campus, but sports were big there. And so people knew, you know, I will say, I'm going to give a shout out to the men's swimming team, which unfortunately is no longer there. They wow. were the winningest team in Eastern Michigan history. I mean, they had so many titles. It was ridiculous. And it was a, it was an absolute joy to watch them. So we were two separate teams, but we normally 98% of the time swam meets together, except for uh, MAC championships. But it was a great experience. I mean, to be a part of something like that and to say, Hey, I swam in college for four years. Those were the next best four years of my life. Again, I'll joke about that with my husband. But I mean, it truly was something else. And I was so well prepared. It almost seemed like just an extension of high school in a way, but without my parents.
0: Right. (laughs) And a lot of drinking. (laughs) A lot more drinking going on. A lot more other things. You know, it was college. You know, you had to get the experience, the college experience. Yeah. I always laughed about that being in the marine corps people are like we went to college for the college experience i'm like i went to the marine corps for the marine corps experience i just didn't smoke pot trust me we got all the drinking out of the, out of our system what we could yeah boone's farm I, is a hell of a Boone, let, let me listen right here boone's farm is a hell of a drug strawberry fields
1: <laughs> it certainly is in michigan it was arbor mist um so they,
0: i always tell people you can always tell the, a good wine by the crack of the cap <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. well these days that is kind of true um
0: well now it's not so so like shamed upon we're like somebody like cracks it like I can remember being a kid and my dad owned a liquor store and a bar and if somebody like would have brought a bottle of wine and the cap would have cracked my old man would have been like really really <laughs> the old man would have been like just mortified or those box wines the old man would have been mortified nowadays people are like you do understand that this is like amazing like great stuff Uh, you know it's it's on the exact same level Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it, brother. Yep. Thank you so much for Scott says. Thank you for your service. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it's all. So you're in college. Mm-hmm. When was it that it dawned on you as as a swimmer? You know, not trying to be be mean here, but you weren't an Olympic swimmer. Nope. You knew that wasn't going to be a thing. Mm-mm. You know, probably won some meets, won some awards here and there. But when did it dawn on you that that last meet? that last event, this is over.
1: Gosh, Scott, you're, this might bring tears to my eyes. Um, I I'm, didn't realize. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, well, first of all, I just want to do what I addressed. You saying I was an Olympic swimmer is not mean. I mean, think about the, the, the U.S. swimming footprint is phenomenal.
0: Oh, it's unreal.
1: Yes. So that wasn't mean by any means. But to answer the question, I really didn't realize it until after. Really? And I, well, yeah, I say that because, you know, again, I, I, we joke. I was a political science major. I had all intents of going to law school. I have all intentions of going to law school. And so I didn't do, like, a lot of internships. And I didn't do a lot of interviewing because it was like, hey, I'm just going to go to school. And that allowed me the opportunity just to be all in to swimming, And I I tell this story a lot. I mean, the last swim meet I ever had was one of the worst, like hands down. If you ask me, when was the worst, like the, the worst time you could ever remember swimming, it was my last meet. And it didn't dawn on me until I walked out of, it was actually at Miami University, which is not far from where I grew up.
0: Miami of Ohio, right?
1: Yes, Miami of Ohio. And I thought, holy shit i hope i can cuss on here yeah, you, you're fine. um it's over it's done it is over I, and i always say i had a career in it i mean i like i just think if you did anything for 17 years that's a career absolutely and you, it was one of the hardest wrap-ups to a swimming i've ever had in my life oh it was the hardest
0: now, were, were you like, was there other seniors on the team like mm-hmm. in the same scenario? Was it a very, was it a very senior team or was it more like you were, you were one of the old heads at that point on the team and there was a bunch of freshmen?
1: No, we had a great mix. So every class had a good representation, almost even in some respects, right? You know, when you think about a traveling team, there were one, two, three, four, five, six. Six to seven seniors. So I mean that's a pretty big graduating class for yeah, that's a good size. Yeah, for a for a swim team. Um and so we were all in the same boat, but we all had different career paths, right? I mean, some one was already kind of working in college, you know, she worked kind of part time, another was going into communication, she knew exactly where she was going. I didn't. I was like, hey, I'm going to law school, like, hey, that'll be great. Until I didn't get into law school. Yeah, that didn't happen no that didn't happen and i didn't realize how much harder the news of not getting into law school was made because swimming was over
0: so so now when you say you didn't get into law school was it because is law school lsat
1: yeah oh so just Plan. i did not pass that by any means (laughs) None whatsoever. Not today, Satan. Not today. I ain't passing this shit. <laughs> exactly.
0: Really? So, I, so I,
1: stopped, I stopped swimming in February, took the LSAT in May. All right. And within 90 days of one another, my world Just came end. crashing down.
0: Wow. So so you, you graduate from Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's it's back to Kentucky at that point where you live with yeah. your parents back in Kentucky.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you do know my bourbon is Heavens Hill, Kentucky bourbon. I just mm, want you to
1: know. There that. you go. That's seven, intense, yeah. seven
0: year old. Seven year old. Nice. Yeah.
1: Have so, you ever done the bourbon trail?
0: No, what is the bourbon trail? Is it, <gasps> left we'll turn? Talk, we'll talk later. We'll left talk. turn. <laughs> bourbon trail. I'm all about it. Um, so this ends up happening. Um, you head back. So then what?
1: I mean, cause exactly. your sisters are,
0: you said one sister, seven years older than you. What's the next one's age? Five and a half. So, so they're, they're definitely, uh, they've graduated. They've moved on. I don't know if they're still at home at this point.
1: No, um, both were married at that time.
0: Okay. So both of them are married. They're out of the house. They've graduated from, oh my goodness. And then <laughs> yes. here comes the empty, the empty nesters, you know, mom and dad are doing, you know, it looks like something out of one of those hippie dippy movies. They've got beaded curtains everywhere. They're ready to get back. (laughs) (laughs) They're ready to get back to it. No mom's baking mom's baking bread. Dad's got a forge in the backyard. Um, But so what is that like coming home? You know, and and this is the reason I'm asking this question, folks, I know some people might be out there like, dude, you're really kind of like scratching that scab, aren't you? No, because I want you to understand how we get to Lauren Amon Dot com and how we get to that next level where we start talking about performance reimagined and, and that coaching level, it took a process to get there. So I want to kind of huh. get to that point. So nobody be sending me nasty messages like, dude, why are you being so mean to her? Uh, and you got a little bit of fans out here, like I said, the the Kim's out there, too, too much <laughs> swimming. Yeah, you know, might have been.
1: I mean, that's uh, fair. Yeah, hundred percent
0: hundred percent Uh, you've got Jesse. Windstrup Heron? Heron, Heron, yeah, all right. right. Make sure I said that. this woman is a damn beast. I agree with you. We just get her to root for the Ravens, she'd be all right. Nope, um, Never. ha, Frank and, and Marcia, hippy dippy, yep, not they
1: gonna, gonna happen, hidden.
0: not gonna happen, yeah, <laughs> not happen. So, so you come home, what is that like? Where Where do we go from there? What it actually let me ask this question first. I know I asked a bunch of questions. Now. What does mom and dad say when you come home?
1: Either. What did they say when I got home? Well, The, the deal was always this, right? They would, they would take care of undergrad. But all of us had scholarships, so they didn't have to worry about that. If we wanted to do anything after, it was on our dime. So at that point, when I came home, we didn't yet know I hadn't passed the LSAT. So it was kind of just business as usual. If we know Lauren's coming home. She's going to go to law school. We just, she's got to figure out where, that sort of stuff. And there was probably, so I got home late April, I took it in mid-May, early June, something like that, I don't remember. Um, So it was kind of a month of, hey, that's great, I get to unwind from swimming, unwind from college, unpack and figure out next steps from there. It was the next month after not passing the LSAT that I spiraled. Mentally.
0: What what does that mean? You spiraled mentally.
1: Well, here I was a an award winning swimmer. You know, I was a state champion. I taught I finished in the top three in college. I had a pretty successful career. I graduated with honors from Eastern Michigan University, graduated from honors from high school. There's never there was up to that point never a time I had faced like true failure, right? I mean, I'd fail along the way. Right, this was the biggest time. This is the biggest failure of my life. And I literally couldn't face people to tell them I didn't get into law school. It would be, I just decided it wasn't for me. I didn't feel like spending a hundred thousand dollars of my own money. I, I, the shame settled in so deeply. I couldn't look at people and say, Yeah, I would just had this really successful career, 17 years, not, you know, 60 days later, I uh, didn't get into law school and I have absolutely no clue what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So when I say I spiraled out of control mentally, that's what I mean.
0: So, you know, now everybody's got a different take on that. When you say you Hmm. spiraled out and, and all these things were going on, was it, was there anything you did like, I'm on a bender now for the next, you know, Two months or, you know, because you were a swimmer, was it, you know, back to the pool? That's where your comfort was and, you know, doing that. Was there anything that was kind of that, you know, this is, I'm in this hole and this is what I'm taking in there with me.
1: So no, no benders by any means. Uh, and I, it didn't even cross my mind to go back into the pool because I was so angry with my performance in my last meet. But what I didn't realize at that time, I didn't realize this until literally two years ago, right? Being 38, I didn't realize what had happened when I was 22, that I set myself up for a terrible meet that weekend.
0: Now, how'd you do that?
1: Yeah. So let's go a little further back into the story. So going into my senior year, obviously I knew it was my last year right? Subconscious, like consciously, subconsciously, unconsciously, all parts of me knew it was my last year. And I was just a raging bitch the entire year. I got in fights with my coach all the time. I was suspended for making a snarky comment one week and had to practice by myself. If you ever want to think of one of the worst punishments for a swimmer, it's to do an entire practice by themselves for an entire week. You know, I didn't, I didn't have great performances all year. And what I discovered just two years ago was that I would, had unconsciously, I was literally grieving before I even got to my last meet. Wow. And everything about me was conflict that year. Everything with my teammates, with my roommates, with my coach, with, you know, you walked up to me, I had something snarky to say and it did it didn't dawn on me, literally, at that moment. It was so unconscious. I was so sad. When I say that I loved swimming, w- swimming was my entire world, everything about it. When I say I was a one sport athlete, there's a reason for that. I didn't want anything interfering with swimming, of being injured if I were to play soccer or uh, you know, basketball, which, by the way, I'm the most uncoordinated person on the planet, so playing <laughs> soccer or basketball would never enter into my mind or anything like softball. Swimming was it. It's all I ever wanted to do. And I think that year, looking back on it now, everything leading up to that moment is like, I didn't even want to face that last swim meet. I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror and say, this is the last time you're swimming the 500. Now, one of the stories from that meet, it, uh, you know, I was in heat eight or whatever. I don't know, who cares. And I remember <laughs> at heat six, standing behind the blocks bawling my eyes out and my coach looked at me and he's like what the hell is wrong and i looked at him and i said this could be the last time i ever swim this event and he said okay now turn around and get your ass to the block you need to swim
0: now I- i'm gonna pause you for a second is that we, we've we recently seen this with athletes at those collegiate levels and these upper levels where they say, you know, they've been pushed for so long. Look, I, I mean, I was a horrible, I, I was athletic, but I was a horrible athlete. If that makes sense to people, you know, I, I can do things, but I, I'm not tall. I'm five, eight. I'm not a, I'm the shortest person in my father's family period, you know. I was never that person, but to hear you say that, just to kind of fast forward for a minute, when you hear of some of these current athletes that are taking the mental break, walking away from their sports, um, gosh, Ga- wasn't Gabby? Gosh, what the heck was her name? I can't think of it. The, uh, the gymnast that that walked away in the Simone middle Biles. of Simone the- Biles. Simone Biles. Thank you. I was thinking Gabby. Uh, whatever Gabby's last name is. Um, Yeah, Gabby Reese. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, When you see that, you know, and especially with having the performance reimagined, being able to, you know, working with those folks and being able to go on LaurenAmon.com and all those spots to find out. But when you see this um, going on, what does that what how do you feel about that when they talk about like I'm done with these coaches being being like this to me what there was one that recently like a, a swim coach wasn't it that got in trouble or something because of the way he treated the athletes or something
1: yeah there have been some of them
0: <laughs> like like you like I hear swim coaches are just a lot of them are just dicks like
1: get in the water ah!
0: like that's the way it's, it's kind of been put out there
1: yes and no so to answer the first question when these athletes are starting to get really vocal about taking a break or that they are suffering from mental challenges, it makes total sense, right? It's 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 actually amazing to me that I did it for so long and that was that last year, right? And I actually didn't even realize it. Like, I love this sport so much. It wasn't that I was being pushed physically. It was more like, I don't want to face what's coming. Um, but what, what every athlete goes through at any level, right? Even if you're at elite high school level, maybe you don't make it to college, like there's still pressure in those moments. Like one of the things from a non-athletic life is that, and this is, this is like no judgment statement, but it's just, it's the added pressure of always being on display. And by that, I mean like you're constantly performing in front of other people. You don't necessarily always recognize it, right? You, if you're in the moment, you're really only focusing on yourself and, and being better than you were the day before. So it's not always that you kind of see that, but looking at it from the most elite level, right? Here in the United States, we have a terrible habit of putting people on pedestals saying look at the olympics right so oh, you yes. know with the face of the olympics last olympics were Simone Biles Katie Ledecky and Caleb Dressel yeah. of those three who's the only one who had a shining moment it was caleb dressel is because every other olympics before that he was he was a known name and he's a phenomenal swimmer he was a known name, but he wasn't like the upper echelon because, you know, Michael Phelps was still there and all the yep. big names were still there. But we have a terrible habit of lifting these people up on a pedestal so high that sometimes the only thing they can do is fall. is because we say, Katie Ledecky, Simone Biles, you are the faces of the United States. And then to send them into what they went into in 2020. I mean, it's perfectly understandable oh, that yeah. they were really emotional moments and they feel pushed and that at the elite level, yeah, athletes are under a ton. And, you know, if you're not a big name, fun fact, you're 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 not making a ton of money. Right. And so if you're going to the Olympics, you either likely have a part-time job, you may get a stipend from your U.S. national team, may not cover everything. Well, and those are ever, some of the things behind the scenes people don't realize.
0: Have you ever looked at the... the- the pay rates from other countries compared to the U S. So they did this during the Olympics, the winter Olympics this year, I saw it where they were talking about, and I'd be lying to you if I remember all the numbers, but it was something like they would show like one of these smaller nations and they would be like, Oh, these guys, you know, you know, a hundred and some odd thousand dollars, a home, you know, this, that, and the other. And then they would show another country. And they and they were going down the list. And then they got the U.S. athletes. And it was like $15 and a Happy Meal and a pat on the back. And better be there for that photo shoot. There was really, we don't do anything for those folks. We just expect you to perform.
1: Yeah, so you get a gold medal. We slap you on the ass.
0: Right. There, there you go.
1: <laughs> Thanks for that. Appreciate, Appreciate you.
0: <laughs> Our medal count count's better than your medal count our people are going to work it. Uh, but Hey, you might get a commercial on home Depot. You might get on the Lowe's commercial, maybe even maybe in Dick sporting good. But I mean, the reality of it is, is that's where we're at real quick. I want to go through these. Um, Kim says, and I know what Kim's talking about. She's saying, congratulations for all your academic accolades and everything that you did. Oh, thank you. Uh, Jesse says uncoordinated. Mm, she's a fantastic dancer. <laughs> we may have to, we may have another dancing with the stars, uh, person right here. Uh, Jesse also said, we've been, we've seen this on a collegiate level and Olympic level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott says, Scott says, you got a great point. And Laurie says, absolutely makes sense. Laurie, we got to get you. We're going to reschedule you. We got to figure out when that's going to be. But uh, I, absolutely. I mean, this is just, I mean, just hearing it, you know, I have sons that played sports, very active in sports. Um, and we experienced it as a family when. My son, who's now 26, um, I had to pull him from football. He couldn't play football anymore mm-hmm. because he's five five. I'm gonna tell you right now, I say this, I've said this to Beanie Anderson who I don't did Beanie ever I'll have to talk about that afterwards. Um but I've said it to to other people. My son at five five in high school to this day is still the best running back I've ever seen in my life. And not as a dad, I've just never seen someone hit the hole, keep his legs churning be able to bounce to the outside and run. But problem was the kid was five, five
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and he's five, five built like his dad. I'm not a big guy. So he was going from his junior. He was in his junior year of high school and got ran over a couple of times. Um, They said, Nope, you can play on JV. You can't play up here because of his size. And then he got another concussion and I had a him, and this was like in his lifetime, like his fifth or sixth one in his lifetime. Huh. Like, son, you're not playing. You're not playing anymore. He was devastated.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, like and this is a kid who played since he was nine years old. He not 17 years like yourself, but since he was nine and every sport he ever played, he was good at.
1: Yeah.
0: And he was the kid that like, I'm going to go wrestle this year and pins all the other kids, just runs right over him using a football mentality. I'm going to play lacrosse this year. First game, first first time he touches the ball, he scores a goal. You know that was the kid he was, but I can as you're speaking, I was on the outside of that. I was, I was your coach, and as you're, I'm listening to you. I was your coach. Mm-hmm. I was the one going, suck it up, Buttercup, get your ass back out there. No one wants to hear you. And now, like I feel like a bad dad now. Thanks for making me feel like a bad
1: dad. But yeah. <laughs> well, well, clarifying, my coach wasn't being mean. He was just like, I need you just to turn around and, and swim because you have no other option. Um, that's inside. I, I loved that coach who said that to me. Um, but you bring up a great point is that more and more, actually younger and younger, we're starting to see some mental challenges uh, among athletes. Right. And you mentioned something about kind of a physical ailment right so your son suffered multiple concussions yeah so the the let's say concussions aside because that is a special occasion or a special situation but let's say he hurt his knee right no one would question you have a hurt knee you, you need to
0: oh dude, uh, you froze for a second
1: but we don't give the same you Lauren, there? you're freezing. I'm here. I'm here. Lauren, you're you're here?
0: Freezing. So I heard hurt knee and then we lost you. No one would question hurt knee and we okay. lost you for a minute. Okay.
1: Sorry about that. Uh, sorry about that. So we talk about the, the physical ailment, right? When we see an athlete who has a physical injury, no one questions to have them sit out, right? No. no, you're not playing today, right? Think of all these athletes who are having mental challenges. No one, I shouldn't say no one, but very few are saying sit out. Take right. care of yourself. You've got to get your mind right in order to absolutely be there for your performance. And that's be there for really your what team. I work on. Yes. Be there for yourself. Be there for your team. Be there for whatever.
0: Stop being because selfish. The,
1: because the more and more that we pile on the stressors, not only from athletics, but from every other aspect in life that athletes have to deal with, the more we pile on these stressors the more challenging it is for them to get their head in the game. There's something I always say, we're not solving for mental health. The definition of health is complete well-being, being of sound, mind, body, and spirit, free of disease and illness. That is what health means. Mental health is not what we're solving. Mental health is what we're going after. We're solving the stress that comes from all the shit that happens inside of a sport and outside of it and all the anxiety anxiety that comes because we don't deal with the stress and any deep depression that comes because we don't deal with the anxiety
0: so so how do we get to where we are now performance reimagine lauren how do we get from the 22 23 year old young lady um, feeling like you just got poo-pooed on and You've got to go make something happen. I mean, mm-hmm. how do we get to
1: that point? Yeah. So I'll go really fast with this one because I'll skip all the boring <laughs> parts. Uh, I actually eventually went and got my master's in HR. So I had the opportunity to get a full ride. So I didn't have a uh, shitty that degree either. like I've got. I know. Right. Shitty degree. Um, so gone got into HR, spent, gosh, 12 years there. And just found that wasn't the place for me. Uh, I, I just, I don't think it, I dawned on me that I wasn't really made for corporate America. I have a little bit too much of a direct communication, particularly for a female and people don't particularly care for that. Um, and a very competitive. Again, not, not a fun HR. quality. Mm. Not, a, not a fun quality no. in HR, nor for a female. No. So fun fact. Fun but facts th- about
0: HR, folks. If you didn't know it, um, they like to be, the, if you didn't know it, and most of them that I know that are HR and I'm a guy with an HR degree, are the most politically incorrect people you will ever meet in your life. They Got say shit man. behind that door. Like, do you see that asshole you- <laughs> just came in here talking about, Oh, I need more money. Get on out of here. And, but when you walk in, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. That's so sad. That's just such a, go ahead and fill that out right there. And you walk out the door. They're like, we going out for happy hour. Stupid. I ain't doing nothing. Throw that shit away. That's HR. If you didn't know that's what your (laughs) HR is doing, that is what your HR is doing. I promise you.
1: That's a pretty fair assessment. Yeah. No. no. So being in that space, I was uh, (laughs) exposed. I I mean, I can neither (laughs) confirm nor deny. Um, Being in that space, being exposed to executive coaches. And so I thought, well, that might be a a career path for me. So I went and got my coaching certification. Uh, I spent about a year doing it. So I went through a really in-depth process. A lot of what I do is backed by psychology, though I just don't have the formal letters. Um, Opened my business in January of 2020. Uh, Really So smart. I know. It was the greatest decision I've ever made. Uh, Actually, at the time, it really was. seemed like it made perfect sense. It did. Um, So I opened the business to be more about leadership development and career transition, right? You know, going back to my roots and looking at it back, I'm like, that's not where you really want it to be, but, you know. Learning is half the battle. But anyway, fast forward to January of 2021. Or no, uh, September of 2021, right? Before the Olympics started. And I just happened to say to our dear friend, Donnie Bovine.
0: Oh, Donnie.
1: I wonder what it would crayon be like. Yeah. God.
0: I posted this one on the SCN page. Oh, yeah. Just so you know. So I'm hoping he's watching. Little oh, crayon, I hope so. little crayon eater.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I owe a debt of gratitude to him. So I will not say anything bad about him one marine um, to another
0: i'll say it all day
1: <laughs> so it was before the olympics and the olympics started and this is where we come back to simone biles and katie ledecky it was the night that simone biles removed herself from competition And it was the same night that katie ledecky won gold in the 1500 meter freestyle but had a terrible swim i mean she was 20 seconds off of her um, world record and the head michael phelps was talking to mike tirico and he said Competing at this level was really overwhelming. Fun fact, competing at any elite level is really overwhelming. Uh, We just want someone to talk to. We just want someone who listens and allows us to be vulnerable and doesn't want to fix us. And I sat in my chair watching the Olympics, started bawling my eyes out because I just thought, holy shit, the most prolific Olympian of my lifetime.
0: US, U.S. history.
1: Yeah, just told the world we we have no one to support us.
0: That's pretty incredible. And
1: I thought, yeah, I was I was literally blown away. I thought, how is that possible? It's not as if sports psychology is new. It's no. not as if these resources don't exist. And so I thought to myself, well, what? Where's the gap? Is it access? Is it awareness? Is it you know, shame among athletes. Is it shame among the U.S. institutions to say, "Oh God, don't look behind the curtain. Our athletes are a, right. all head cases. No one wants to see that." And well, so I just, I, I completely pivoted my business literally that night and said, "I now know my calling. It's to work with athletes."
0: Scott calls it your aha athletes. moment. Your your aha yeah. moment. Well, you know, you you bring that up. I mean, we've had so much. So many things come out about our Olympic programs, our Olympic athletes. I mean, the running joke was always when we were kids, you know, the East German, you know, athletes. Oh gosh, yes, you know, the East German women's team that were more of a man than I could ever hope to be, um, better beard than mine, <laughs> too. Most of them, but you know, that was a running joke that we always heard. SNL stuff like that, like was these things. But you know, I can still remember if you know, and we kind of mentioned this, you know, athletes that broke down. We're weak. Oh, you're weak. You're a millionaire. What the hell are you bitching about? I'm out here, you know, breaking rocks. You know, we we think about these things, but at the same time, you've said it. We put them on a pedestal. We put them above others. We we expect a level of performance. I'll even, you know, I'm kind of curious about this. This just came to mind. When you think about, uh, not A.J. Brown, but uh, Antonio Brown, the, mm-hmm. the wide receiver, Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. see somebody like that, with the outbursts and and the ridiculousness or, you know, now looking back at a Terrell Owens guys at the NFL level, uh, athletes. And I feel like today we see them more than we do the baseball players of before. But when you see athletes at that level, having these, you know, just wackadoo moments, how do you see that with what you do today?
1: Yeah. Well, the Antonio Brown one, I mean, he even came out and said, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I'm not having any mental breakdowns and and I certainly never want to speculate, but that kind of behavior would lead me to believe that there's something, whether it's conscious for him or not, that's going on with him. That is a, pushing I mean, pushing him to, to do those things. I right. mean, no, no, how do I,
0: no stable God. mind.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say some something non PC right. is gonna come out of my mouth. Right, and it's okay. Comment about but, it, but
0: I mean, stable mind or a person of of reasonable reasonable thought at the time. Yeah, is it's gonna, gonna
1: leave the game in the middle. In the middle of it, of... take off his shirt and run, you know, and do his right. thing, and and then come back and say, "No, I'm totally fine." Um, right. I mean, it could be a statement. I don't know, but that statement, you know, is backed by some <laughs> unconscious pattern. Right. In his mind that convinces him, yeah, that was the right thing to do in that moment without thinking. Um, hmm.
0: So so when you're talking to these athletes and and different levels and, and different people at, at these levels, what are some of the things that, you know, because one of the first things that come to mind to me is, you know, even yourself, 17 years of swimming, you probably many times were referred to, oh, you're the gr- you're the swimming girls. You're the girls you're you're that the three girls that swim you were referred to at that and always held at that level given that level of prestige and you know depending upon especially if you're a pro athlete you're given that level of prestige how do you help somebody who no longer does anyone care and i don't mean that in a mean way but reality of it is is I'm a big Mike. Do you know who Mike Devereaux is? You probably have no idea who Mike Devereaux is. No. Mike Devereaux played for the Dodgers, then played for the Baltimore Orioles through the 90s. He, all-time, one of my favorite baseball players, Love the guy. I love Mike Devereaux. I'm probably, me and his family are the only people. So what do you say to those kind of people? When Because I think that's one of the biggest things for these athletes is going from everyone loves me to no one knows me. Like, how do you, how do you even start to address that?
1: Yes. So that is a big thing. And, and you said before, like, even though I, I, I didn't make it to the Olympics, I mean, that was my identity. I was known for swimming. My sisters were known for swimming. I even had the opportunity to speak to an Olympic uh, gold medalist, actually, which was one of the greatest moments of my life. And this person said, I've done all these things.
0: None of these are your children. None of these are your husband. we are on the three right <laughs> Well, now. you
1: know, there's a running theme here. When it Look, has we're to do we're on sports. to three
0: and they're all sports. Brother, I don't know where exactly. you're at. Send me a message. A <laughs> couple of winky emojis. I know you're, you need help. Just let us know.
1: <laughs> so I was speaking to this Olympic uh, gold medalist. And they said, I've done all these things in my life. And I know I'm a known for a race that lasted fewer than two minutes. And to have heard that from an Olympian, I thought, oh my gosh. Right. It, cause it, I even caught myself in the moment of, oh my God, I just put them on a pedestal. Right. So, right. So it's, it's like, you know, all comes back, but it's the concept of, you know, cause It's finding the balance between who you were and who you want to be in, in life after sports. Right. And oftentimes what can happen with athletes, either I'm going to cut it off. No, no longer going to call myself this, or no longer going to associate with it whatsoever, or they stay in the moment of, Oh, but it was over there. I don't, mm, how do I I get
0: back there? How do I, how do I get back get back
1: Yes. So first and foremost, what I always work with athletes coming out of transition is take a moment. Process what you went through. Write all of your highlights down or or talk into a microphone, I don't care what you do, just get it all out. Write all your highlights. Take all your low lights. What were the shittiest moments you yeah, have? What would you never want to see again or what would you want to take back? look at those two things right those side by side and then say what are my three takeaways from that what are the top three things that i learned about myself from those moments and it's a really simple and it sounds so silly but it's a really simple exercise just to take a moment because oftentimes like i'll give you my experience the shittiest meet of my life i literally took my cap and my goggles in my hand at the very last event threw it behind me without even looking they landed in the garbage can i was like well that pretty much sums it up and i walked out of that natatorium thinking i'm done i never want to look at this again that was me i was the one who was like shut it off never want to see it again never want to talk about it again (laughs) ironically here i am right? right um but I never processed it. Never. I, I didn't process it until I was 38 years old.
0: 38. And then it comes to you. Jesse says it's almost like identifying mind fuck. Yeah. No. And then and Kim says great idea for. I think it's a great idea no matter what you do. You know, to to look at what, what are you taking away from this? That's a positive. What are you taking away from this? That's a negative process. What you never have to deal with again. And then move forward from there Mm -hmm. because at least identifying it, no matter what you do is, is in that list. Um, So how is, how have athletes, I mean, you had this aha moment, how have athletes or coaches on, on teams been receptive to you reaching out to them and saying, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'd like to talk to your athletes or, I, mean, I imagine most of them right now are that collegiate or prior pro athletes. We're not at that high school level, but me personally, I could see this from a high school level. I think this would make perfect sense to me, but where are you, how is, how are they receiving you when you reach out to them?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, I actually did start reaching out to high schools. because I, I rec- Yes. I recognized the opportunity to do so uh, for a number of different reasons, um, just because we're seeing so many mental challenges, even at younger ages different story for a different day, but, um, super receptive. I mean,
0: high yeah. schools are more receptive than but
1: all of them. Okay. All of them are so everybody's
0: receptive. been like, yeah, come on, come talk to us.
1: Yes. Come talk to us. Um, I, I would say the most actually responsive in this moment for current athletes are high schools. I could see that. Yes. I mean, cause you're in, a,
0: I mean, there's one. the 1% rule. 1% of all high ski sky. Da, 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 da. 1% of all high school athletes can play at a collegiate level and for football, 1% of all those athletes can play at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why I know these numbers. It was part of my recruiting process in the Marine Corps to know sure. these numbers. Um, but I mean, you're really, you're getting into the 1%, but I mean, so what is even the approach to to a school? I'm, I'm very curious of, of that. And if it's, You know, if you've got your little ninja skills, I understand, but, but I'm really curious, like, how do you reach out to them and go, Hey, you know, these guys are going to go deal with this. Let me talk to you. Like, how do you approach them?
1: Yeah. So I have made a lot of great connections with athletic directors, right? So going straight to the the top of the athletic chain, so to speak, and really starting to talk with them, learning to learning their challenges among their athletes and what's going on, you know, unfortunately what's happening very sadly, is that, um, you know, suicide is is a growing trend, unfortunately, and we're starting to see that it is affecting student-athletes at a very high rate. And so starting to talk with them to understand their challenges and, you know, to give everybody a little preview, what we're really starting to work on is there's a lot of data. When you look up student-athlete data, there's a lot of data for NCAA athletes. There's not a lot of data for high school athletes. No, not at all. And so that's kind of the approach right now is to really go in and say, Hey, let us figure out what's actually on the, on the mind of your athletes. We'll give you the data. We'll let you know what they're saying. And we'll build a program specifically for your athletes. We'll prove to you that working on their mind works on their performance and then we'll figure out how to reach the other athletes, whether we bring in strategic partners or we give that data to some, you know, whatever the case may be to focus on the other athletes. Because what we're also hearing is, you know, we've got to approach everybody, which I totally understand. But to throw everything, at, you know, at once, you know, let's, let's use a small population, let's use the athletes, because we know that it's affecting them at a higher rate. So let us show you that our work truly does when you train your mind like you train your body your performance will skyrocket
0: absolutely i I can't can't even begin to explain to you i mean I, i always go back to my time in the marine corps but yeah we we trained like athletes we absolutely trained like athletes but at the same time we were pushed academically yeah very heavily you know Knowing this, knowing that memorize, memorize, uh, you know, you got to know the, all the information. Um, I want to keep, cause I love all the different comments that we're getting here. Uh, Jesse's a fan. She's got a tattoo of you. I think, I think she got a tattoo of you, <laughs> but uh, at the, at the, <laughs> that's too funny. But at the time that was the coping skill for you, like throwing your stuff away. And that's exactly mm-hmm. why athletes need a, need a Lauren Amon in their life. Uh, Kim, that's awesome. Um, and it, and it really is. So, is there any particular athletic group um, that, oh shit, we just, hold on, we just got you paid. Uh, wait a second, hold on. Scott says, sold contract on its way. Great approach. And we know being an elite athlete yourself opens those, those doors. Shit, we just got you paid. I just need a cut. I mean, I'm <laughs> trying to get paid himself. I mean, I'm saying I'm put that out there. Uh, and, and Kim's digging this, but. But I mean, really, have you seen any differences in athletes? You know, I, I jokingly say, you know, like, I don't think the badminton team's really like stressing that hard, you know, in my mind. But that, again, that's me where, you know, it might be the other side of it. Like, the badminton team's like, you don't understand what badminton nationals are like. That birdie's coming right at you. I see that shit in my dreams. Like, I don't know. Have you. <laughs> Have you seen any particular athletic groups or or dealt with ones that are more likely to – when you come and meet with them? Or maybe that – let me roll it back. I ask 100 questions. It's okay. See, that's why – see, right there. So you all know Lauren's good. She goes, it's okay. It's okay. all right. Get your thoughts
1: together. Just take, just take your time. Take your time. No,
0: just get your thoughts together. Are they presenting you to – all the athletes like, Hey, we're just getting all the athletes together. It's going to be one big thing in the auditorium. You give them a presentation and then later on, they're able to reach out to you. Is it a flyer that goes out to the parents that say, Hey, if your child's having issues, this is who you can contact. We we've contracted them or meeting with the guidance counselor. What's that process like to get these kids? Cause the high school piece, I'll be honest with you that to me, you know, get it before it's got to the other mm-hmm.
1: level. Yeah prepare them for college.
0: Right. Before, <laughs> before, you know, we joked around about drinking in college and stuff like that. before that's the coping mechanism, right. You know, get to them before then. So how's the approach in, for a high school kid?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's happening in a number of different ways. The more that people are learning about what I do, particularly here in Cincinnati, for anybody who knows Cincinnati, it's a, it's a big city, small town. We all know one another. Um, so people are bringing me in to talk with ADs. Uh, I'm actually making a presentation tomorrow to coaches so that's one thing that we're experiencing or that we're experimenting with as well is creating this trifecta. I always do this, right? So putting the athlete at the top, particularly in high school, right? So putting the athlete at the top, and then you have your coaches and your parents. So creating this, this level of touch points for all of them to help them understand that, you know, from an from a high school athlete's perspective, that is their world, their coach and their parent, right? right. And oftentimes if these two aren't on the same page, who's in the middle.
0: Right. Kid kid has to deal with it.
1: Yeah. So it could be making presentation to coaches, talking to ADs. Some parents are even knocking on my door and saying, Hey, come on in. We know what you do. It's really important. You know, we'll provide you all the contact information to get in front of, you know, whether it be the superintendent or the school board, you know, really just to understand what their agenda is and how we can fit into it. There's been a lot of great response. And right now it's a matter of I want to go back to the original question too of seeing what teams it's really standing out among. Right now, I can't discern if it's one versus the other versus another, right? And that is where the data collection comes in okay. to say, are there pockets? Because here's what's happening, and I'll be very blunt about this. And I, you know, hope that anybody who's listening can do so with an open mind. Is that what I'm what I'm gathering, what my intuition, what my perception is telling me is that there's all these adults talking about how to fix the problem. I want to go straight to the athletes.
0: Right. Skip over you, the adult.
1: You tell me what's, or to tell the organization, right? You will do all this data collection. We'll do surveys and interviews. You tell me what the big challenge is and we'll solve for your problem Versus maybe, hey, at the school level, we've seen these really big unfortunate events. You know, we need to solve for this immediately. Here's here's the strategy. And I'm really cautious to say, I don't want to give you a strategy until I know what actually is going on inside those athletes' minds. And so that's why it's challenging for me right now to say it's football versus baseball. It's swimming versus soccer versus softball versus basketball versus whatever the case may be. My intuition tells me it's a just level kids. playing field across all over. just kids. Yeah.
0: How, how about any difference between male and female athletes?
1: Oh, yes. Very different, particularly in the high school, right? Partly because going into high school and we're going to get, you know, we're talking about some uncomfortable things here, right? Mm-hmm. So going into high school, they're all going through puberty and for guys As an athlete, right? You you know when you're 12 and the girls are beating you, that's Mm. highly embarrassing. But once you hit puberty, boom, you skyrocket. No matter what the sport is, and for girls, some can skate by, and you know there's not a huge dip. But others can take a massive nosedive because puberty just completely changes their world. So in high school, there's a bit of a difference. There simply because of that. But as you kind of age up into kind of the 17, eight year old, 18 year olds, that's not necessarily as drastic of a difference anymore. Right. Um, I think what I'm seeing is girls have a little bit easier time being vulnerable, or at least sharing and being articulating what's going well, they're on. They're told
0: they're okay. it's okay.
1: It's okay. Guys, as you can imagine, not as.
0: Yeah, no, okay. shut your mouth. Suck it up, buttercup.
1: Except for those.
0: You play soccer. No. It's soccer. Oh, no.
1: Except no, no. for those who are on an elite track, right? Uh, what I'm what I'm starting to see is, you know, parents wanting to say, mm, how do we maybe kind of prepare them for this? Or the parents are starting to really think starting ahead. Uh, and then really it's my job to get the athletes to, to open up and to really focus on what is going in your mind and creating that safe space. And that's not to diminish anything I do by any means, because it's not simple. It's not easy, but it's simple is to create that space that Michael Phelps was talking about. Well, the space you, to be vulnerable.
0: You you bring up an interesting point that, that I want people to think about. And I wonder if it's, you know, if you, if you're the Lamar Jacksons in football, if you're um, God, I can't think of his name right now. He used to pitch for the, uh, for Washington or, or Ian Anderson, you know, for the, For the Braves, you're on that elite level, professional athlete, you know, uh, the Miles and Lyle Thompson's for lacrosse. You're on that level. Your parents see you as that elite athlete also. I wonder if what you just said about that elite level, if that kid who's, you know, mom and dad knows you're not you're not playing pro. I love you, but we know you're not. You're not playing. You know, my son was five five. I knew he was never going to be at that level. You know, I think he had this talent. I got. To, you have no idea how much I wish that kid would coach football. You have no idea. Um Derek, you talk. Oh, you talking about East Strasburg? I don't know what you're talking about. SCC Strasburg. Wonder if you're thinking about yeah. East Um But you know, my my that different level. I wonder if parents kind of go, Ah, eh, you're fine. Like, have you have you run into that where that that kid who isn't on that elite level, like you mentioned, that has a chance at even a D three school, compared to the kid who knows that when high school ends, so does that part of their career? Those kids, the parents treat it differently because the parent thinks, ah, you, you know, you understand, you're not gonna, this is over. Like that kid, that to me, that kid now thinking about what you're saying, that kid needs. M- almost probably more help than the other one because that kid worked his ass off to get to that point to be on that team and to just be told well you're okay this is over you're fine you understand that
1: yeah parents are in a precarious position because you know i'll use my parents as an example like, like i said not the most athletic people on the right. planet but the most supportive right i will i mean my parents would, every would single you tell me what at-
0: they did for a living just out of curiosity
1: uh, they both worked in healthcare, actually. My mom was a nurse and my dad was some hospital administrator. Okay. I was just care of. if you
0: were going to be like, dad was a farmer and mom was like a house marm. And I was in my mind, I'd be like, that's a dude that like physically he might not have been an athlete, but he was a physical person.
1: No, no, not far from it. But <laughs> I was saying, I was saying no, parents no, are in no, a precarious position is because, you know, my parents would just say, oh, you know, it's you, you've always have next time. Which is true, right? Logically, every athlete knows that there's next time, but it's that time, right? You had an expectation. Right. That's what you wanted to do in that moment. And that's something that we, that I work on with the athletes. But then you also have the parents who cannot relate at all, right? My parents were not even remotely athletic. So while they wanted to support me, they couldn't relate what I was going through. Well, then you have the other end of the extreme. Those who can relate, who know what you're going through, but- you know, grew up in a time where the only expectation was to get up, suck it up, buttercup. You got next time to go right, and that's a right. different mindset. I'd be curious to talk to all those athletes now and how they get through life and suck it up and move on. Can we healthy well, in some sex? Yeah, just can so you know, in Just sex so in you know, lot?
0: that's what we do. Yeah, that that's our that was you know, like I said, I'm I'm from that generation. You know, time in the Marine Corps. You know, reach down, tug it, and make sure it's still there, and go go on it. Please yeah. folks don't be upset, but that's what they used to tell us. Like, reach down, check it, make sure it's still there. Get at it, Marine. Yeah. And I know that's what they what we're expected. That's what this country expects of their their service members, but that's what you expect of your athlete also. Yeah. Is, you know, don't worry about it that your your legs behind your ear and your right arms, you know, going the wrong way. Suck it up. You can get back out there and play.
1: Yeah. Or you're weak if you show anything. Yeah. It- you know, you, a competitive disadvantage. But I'll use me as a specific example, right? So I have an athlete, my older son is, is a phenomenal athlete, football, basketball, baseball, swimming, soccer, right? He, you, you name it, he does it. And then even in my profession, I know what I'm doing. This is what I do every single day. And he looks at me and he's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Kid knows I swam for 15 years, knows, or 17 years, knows that I do this, and he still doesn't listen. So it, it like so I say they're in this precarious position because it doesn't necessarily matter what a parent says, their parent, their mom and dad. So that's why it's so valuable to have kind of an outside perspective and have a safe space where athletes, both in the game and coming out of it, have a space to process what they're going through.
0: Absolutely. And now I know what Derek was talking about, Steven Strasburg. You're nailed it, Derek. You're not on delay, brother. Steven Strasburg is exactly who I was thinking of. At first I was thinking you were talking about East Strasburg university. You nailed it. Thank you. You are the man. You get applause and everything. Cause I'm reading. him like, he's it is Steven Strasburg. He was, he was like had Tommy John surgery. The guy was supposed to be yeah. the second coming of pitching everything. So I want to kind of put a bow on, on all yeah. this, get ready to close the bar up because I want people to reach out to you as a parent. Um, God, I wish I'll be honest with you. I wish this existed, and maybe it did. Like I only knew of people that did what you did when we started hearing about the 22 year old athlete who gets 120 million, 36 million, 50 million dollar contract guy, who everybody like, you know, and then all of a sudden he buys the entire neighborhood, um, sneakers and cars and and everything else and you know that's when i started hearing about like all these athletes you know they're starting to have life coaches they're starting to put those people in the place we only heard about it at that level till you and i met i never heard at it at a true reasonable level uh any of those kind of things and and this is really a game changer so again performance reimagined now that's that's your your process right mm-hmm. And yes, mm-hmm. uh, Lauren, Lauren dot com. You can go to Lauren Amon coaching on Facebook and you can find her there. Uh, reach out. If you've got a student athlete, you've got a kid who's a, an athlete who is having those kind of anxieties. They know that this is coming to an end and you're sitting there going, I don't know what to do. Lauren may not be in your neighborhood. Started getting sing the neighborhood zone. That wouldn't be right. Started with some trouble in my neighborhood. That's a whole nother It's subject.
1: too soon. It's too, too soon. soon.
0: <laughs> too soon. Too soon.
1: I don't give a shit. Will
0: ain't smacking the fuck out of me. Uh <laughs> it, it ain't gonna work, bro Uh you might Philly. I will tell you show you East Baltimore. Um uh, but you know, reach out to Lauren and, and and talk to her and you can also just I'm going to plug it also you can find her on Lauren Amen on LinkedIn which is where where this is going out at yep. and uh reach out and, and talk to her um anything that you know as we're getting ready to close this up anything that you would want them to prepare before the before that conversation or or have ready things that you're like hey I need to know this
1: Yeah. Importantly, are you a current athlete or a retiring athlete or even retired, right? You know, whether you just retired or you've been retired for a couple of years, uh, like me, if you're a slow learner, 17 years later, you learn what was going on. Um, I'd love to know that kind of where you are in your process in terms of where you're really struggling. What are your biggest challenges specific to the mental side? Right. But oftentimes a lot of people say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not hitting this or I'm not doing this or I'm not where I want to be. All of that is mental, right? Everything that's going on, any block that's happening in terms of performance is something going on up here. Right. So, you know, I am always approached, let's just sit down, let's talk. Help me understand where you are, and then we'll decide: are you and I a fit? And if we are, where from a current athlete perspective, do you really fit into the my world or 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 the performance-reimagined world? Or if you're retiring, where do you fit into the performance-reimagined world? Because
0: Say that again, performance reimagined world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a whole nother thing we miss completely. Yeah,
1: right. But like you, like you said, it's kind of the process. And, and that's the whole thing is to, even if you're a current athlete or you're a retiring athlete, the concept of performance reimagined, you know, you've had expectations of who you are and how you perform to this point. As we work together, you now see yourself in a completely different point of view. And thus, per- your performance goes up, and now your performance is reimagined.
0: I like it, Kim. Kim says you're a total game changer. Oh, thanks, uh, Kim. Scott. Who's signing a contract with you any moment now? <laughs> uh, also says many thanks. So again, LaurenAmon.com, Lauren Amon Coaching on Facebook, Lauren Amon, and that's A M M O N. And she actually spells Lauren the normal way. There's not anything crazy going on there. L-A-U-R-E-N um, and then the process performance reimagine. if you got somebody you have somebody that you're looking for and if for whatever reason you're not comfortable reaching out to, to Lauren you can find us you know reach out to me Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch um, Instagram everything's the above the bar podcast uh, if you you reach out to me and, and let me know what's going on I'll be happy to connect you you know there, there's nothing like a warm handshake I know sometimes people just reaching out to cold to people is uh is tough to people. like you're just getting so much attention. Kim says, you're welcome. Keep up the great work. Uh, your best friend with a tattoo. On- she said she got a tattoo on her neck with your name. That's weird. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's weird. Just like Lauren Amon right there on, on the side of my <laughs> neck. Uh, loved it all. Thank you. But, uh, you know, be happy to reach out and. I'm gonna tell you something here in a minute, Lauren. You're listening good to me. Get yeah. good listening ears on.
1: Intently. Intently. Do yeah.
0: not log out after the show is over. We okay. have to talk for a moment. Okay. Do not log too many people. Log- like some people log out, and I'm Jen.
1: like
0: I'm like calling them and I'm like, hey, I said don't log out. And they're like, uh, I'm sorry. Well, damn, did the show suck that much for you? <laughs> but as always, when every show, it's always the same in the process here. You as the guest is going to get the last word. So Ooh. what? what is the last word from Lauren, the coach? I'm your new name. That's it, Lauren. Hashtag Len, the coach. The coach. <laughs> Lauren hashtag the coach. Sorry, Coach K. Shit didn't work out for you. Lauren, the coach, Eamon. <laughs> what is the final word for everyone?
1: Do I get one word or do I get multiple?
0: No, words? you get like whatever you need to say. Like you oh, get okay. the final words.
1: Excellent. Like, so I, I will say to anybody out there who has high school athletes or retiring collegiate, even pro athletes, we are putting together some really phenomenal programs that will allow the opportunity to build some community within the athletic space. So that you will always have that connected network. So we're really excited about that. And for all the athletes out there, you deserve to be heard. You deserve to be seen. And there are absolutely resources out there available to you, regardless if they're me or not to open up and find what truly is blocking you and that there are people out there who care and see your struggle as a strength.
0: Alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation found on earplugpodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.